How do working mums manage it all between raising kids, paid work, drop-offs and pick-ups, the incessant domestic load, friends and family and, well, let's just forget about me time. I can tell you it is a challenge. I'm Jacinta Tynan, news presenter, journalist, author and mum of two young boys. Welcome to The Mother Shift, a babyology podcast where we explore the ins and outs of different work-life situations with different mums. After working full-time before kids, many women dream of negotiating a flexible or job-share arrangement when they return to the workplace. It sounds like a good idea in terms of finding a better work-life balance, but how does job-sharing work in real life? Fiona Morrison is a primary school teacher who went back to work two days a week. Fiona, welcome to The Mother Shift. Thank you very much, Jacinta. I wanted to ask you, first of all, what life was like, if you can think back, before you had your son, who I know is around 17 months old now, and another one on the way. <laughs> Do you remember what it was like then? I was working full-time as a primary school teacher, uh, involved a lot of travel. My job is not close to where I am, so I've got to commute about an hour each way. So there were long days, but there was freedom in coming home and being able to have some time to ourselves, um, having time to prepare for work. Um, as a primary school teacher, there's lots of things that I need to do outside of school. It's not a nine to three job, as some people might think. Um, so at least before kids, I had a lot more time to invest in my career as a teacher um, and be able to do my lesson plans, prepare my resources, do my reports, all of those sorts of things. So it felt like my job, it was full time and it felt like it took up a lot of my time. But at the same time, when I wasn't at school or on the weekends, I could sort of have a bit of a debrief and a bit of a, a relax, which was nice. So yeah, it's hard to remember those days. <laughs> but yeah, it was busy, but good. It, it does sort of feel like life BC and post C. Yes, that's <laughs> right, children. 100%. When you were pregnant, what was your idea of what life was going to be like during maternity leave and returning to work and how you were able to negotiate that with your employer? Well, I think because I enjoyed my job so much and obviously before you have children, it's a bit hard to understand how everything changes. Um, you don't really get that realistic understanding until you've actually had your child. Um, so before I had my son, I just thought, oh, I'll go back three or four days a week. I'll go back to working lots, you know, because I love my job so much. Um, it was a really good conversation to have with my boss. So I obviously first spoke to my principal because um, I was leaving in the middle of the year. So that meant a lot of shift in the structure of my class and who was going to take my class when I left and things like that. So it involved having a conversation with him about me being pregnant and when I'm going to be taking maternity leave and things like that. And also my plans for coming back as a teacher, as a permanent teacher, I'm fortunate enough to be able to have a permanent position when I go back from maternity leave. I don't have to worry about job security or anything like that. So I was negotiating with him how many days I would come back. And of course, um, there is a negotiation in that because we have to take consideration of school priorities, what positions are available for when I come back. But obviously, as a permanent teacher, I also have a bit of a say in how much I want to come back. And with kids, if you need someone to take care of them and you're the only person to take care of them, you know, 
what what else can you do really? So I'm very fortunate that as a teacher, I do have a bit of flexibility in when I was going back, um, how many days I was going back. I did think I would go back more days than I did. And then after I had my son, I actually only wanted to go back one day because I was enjoying my time with him so much. But again, there was that negotiation and my, my principal asked if I could do two days and I was able to organise babysitting for my son. And so I went back to two days. So it took you by surprise, did it, about not wanting to return to work as quickly uh, or as often as you thought? A hundred percent, yeah. Cause, because I love teaching so much. It's something that I've um, I've been working with children for over... 10 years, even though I've only been a teacher for about three or four. And so I've finally gotten into this profession that I've worked so hard for. And, you know, obviously I have aspirations for what I want to do as a teacher. And I enjoy working with the children and making a difference with them and helping them to learn and grow. I mean, that's what I'm passionate about. So I was fully expecting nothing will change. Like I'll I'll have my son, but you know, I'm sure as, you know, a lot of people tell you, you want your me time or you want your adult time or you want to continue on with your sense of identity and your sense of self, um, which can sometimes feel like it goes by the wayside when you have a child. Yeah, so it did take me by surprise that I didn't want to go back as much as I did beforehand. I mean, that has evolved over the last few months since I have been back at work. I have gone back to really enjoying it. But yeah, it was that just that initial time with, with my son and, you know, seeing all of their milestones and things like that and being afraid of missing out on some of those things, um, especially when other people are looking after them. It's like, oh, I don't want him to walk without me or I don't want him to say words without me and things like that. It sounds yeah. like it was a bit of a wrench for you leaving him. Yeah, I experienced a bit of postnatal anxiety. So when my son was younger, he, he's a very loud child. So he has lots of screaming and it's very high pitched. Um, And that would make me really anxious about leaving the house with him and things like that. So I went through that for the first couple of months. And then we turned this corner and he just became a lot more fun. And I enjoyed spending time with him and I enjoyed going out with him because, you know, he turned that corner. And then I got anxiety about leaving him, which is kind of ironic. But when I was going back to work, I actually yeah, went through some anxiety about returning to work and leaving him. And, you know, I'd have to call my husband and say, I'm not feel like, you know, I'm feeling quite anxious driving to work. Can you just help me to calm down? And it's only two days. Like, remember that it's not full time and he'll be there when I come home and those sorts of things. Um, so, yeah, there was a bit of anxiety. It took me a couple of months to, to get over and get back to a sense of, yes, I do love my job. And, you know, it is nice to have that balance of being at home with him, but also um, investing in the, the career that I love so much. How acute was that anxiety for you and how, how did you deal with it? To be honest, at the start, after my son was born, I didn't really recognize it very much. I just thought, oh, like, you know, I just don't want to leave the house. Not that I thought that that was normal, but I just, I wasn't told much about postnatal anxiety. So I guess I just didn't feel depressed. So I didn't think it was a big issue um, until like, yeah, a few months after. And I realized, hang on, it's not normal to be afraid of leaving the house with with your baby. I mean, it's common, but it's not you know, completely normal. Um, I wasn't at the stage where I was having panic attacks or anything like that, but it was just definitely just a fear of, I can't leave the house with him. What if he screams? I couldn't go to the grocery shops. I couldn't go to Westfields. I couldn't do any of those things just because that fear just overtook me. I was like, I can't leave the house. But since having that period of anxiety, I've come to recognise 
it more. So I realize now that I do sort of have anxiety here and there. So for example, when I returned to work, I was able to recognize it a lot quicker. Um, and there was once or twice where I sort of felt a possible panic attack coming on. And that's when I would call my husband and say, like, I'm, I'm just really not feeling well. Like, I need, just need you to help me calm down. Um, I'm really grateful that I've got some good support networks of family and friends. Um, I did see a psychologist for a little while to help me adjust to going back to work because it was such a struggle to leave my son and, and to go to work. And I, for a while, I, I really had this mentality of I'm going to work to parent other people's children when I could be at home parenting my own. And that's not meant to sound negative because I love teaching and I love that opportunity to invest in children's lives. But with my son being so young and, you know, enjoying the time with him, it was really hard to to make that that leap back into the workplace. It sounds like you felt quite torn. Yeah, very much so emotionally and even socially as well, I think was another struggle for me because when I was on maternity leave, we had a really close mother's group, a group of friends, um, and I really enjoyed spending time with them and we would catch up every week for coffee and let the, the babies play around. But then going back to work, um, doing the job share is fantastic because it's very flexible, but at the same time, I did feel torn between these two worlds because you're not fully invested in one or the other. So going back to work, I would find my colleagues would be hanging out after work and it was hard for me to be involved in that because, one, I live so far away and, two, I just wanted to get home to my, my young son and spend time with him. But then the days that I was at work, all my mother's group friends were catching up and hanging out. So I, there was a few months amongst all that anxiety where I was feeling lonely because I was like, I, I'm struggling to socialise in both fields. So it's kind of like you're half-half, not fully committed to either. Yeah, so that was a bit of a struggle going back, yeah. You're listening to the podcast, The Mother Shift, with me, Jacinta Tynan, and I'm talking to primary school teacher Fiona Morrison. Stick around because later we'll be having a chat with our resident careers counsellor and psychologist, Kirsty Levin, who will be taking a look at each mum's experiences and challenges to help other mums returning to the workforce. So Fiona, we're keen to find out more about job sharing, which you're doing now, and how it works in practice rather than just the idea of it. Is it panning out? Yes. After, obviously, the initial kinks of my own personal um, struggle of going back to the workplace, it really is a great way to get back into the workforce, have a bit of flexibility and have that work-life balance. And it's great that I job share with another teacher who's also a mother. So it's really good that we can connect on that level and we both understand that our families are our priority. Even though we love our jobs, family comes first. What are the advantages of job sharing? Well, obviously, besides being there only for two days a week rather than the five days, it's great that it's a shared responsibility. So we can delegate a lot of tasks. Teaching is a very admin heavy job as well as the practical of teaching a classroom. That's the side we always forget about. That's the don't side we, we always as mothers. Yes. That's exactly right. So that was one of the things that I think I struggled with going back is how do I juggle uh, because it's not just turning up to, to work 
spending the whole day there than going home because there is planning involved. I've got to do lesson planning. I've got to do reports. You've got to do talking with parents. Like there's all of those things that don't fit into the six hour day that I'm at school. So there was a lot of negotiating my time with my son. So when he would have a nap during the day, I'd be working during the couple of hours that he's had asleep to try and get all of those things sorted. So even though I, I am job sharing and I'm only at work for two days, there is still work being done behind the scenes when I'm not physically at school. But it's good that there is that shared responsibility. So we can delegate those things. So it's not as task heavy as it would be, obviously, as a full-time teacher. Um, and the flexibility of if there's a week where my son's really sick, I can tell the teacher I'm sharing with, look, Jacob's really unwell. Would you mind covering this meeting or covering this piece of paperwork? And she says, of course, no problem. Or if there's a week um, where there's something with her daughter, she'll say, can you do this for me? And I say, yep, that's fine. That's covered. So there is that flexibility in managing certain tasks to fit around our lifestyles, which I've found really advantageous. And of course, obviously, yeah, just being there the two days so I can spend the rest of the time with my son doing things at home and watching the the milestones and taking him out and, and doing those sorts of fun things. One of the things you do hear about job sharing is that it's all very well in theory, but actually the days when you're not meant to be at work, you're still carrying the load and there's no delineation there of when you're on and when you're off. Mm. Do you find that? Are there any downsides to the whole job sharing theory? I mean, of course, there's always pros and cons to all kinds of work arrangements. As a teacher, obviously, you feel invested in the lives of these children. So even when you're not at school, you sort of wonder, how are they going today? Oh, they had this big assembly item. I hope that they did okay with that. Or so-and-so was getting an award. Like, I wonder if their parents were able to turn up. Like, there's always those things in your mind. Are you sneaking in there on your days off? I've done a couple. (laughs) Well, only one or two. But usually I take my son with me and the kids love it. So (laughs) it works out okay. So you're always thinking about what the kids are up to and how they're going on on your days off. And I think that's the same even as a full-time teacher. There is occasionally a lot of communication that you get on the days that you're not there, um, especially if there are, say, incidents that happen with students or if a parent wants to have a meeting or things like that. There is a sense of having to be switched on because you don't want to leave a parent message for a week. So um, communication Sounds like it's key. Yes, yes. and so it's making a, the arrangement work. Of course. And it is a pro and it is can be a con as well. So uh, the teacher that I share with and I, we update each other. She updates me on a Wednesday before I go to school on a Thursday. So I know everything that's happened, everything she's taught, um, everything that's happened with student welfare, um, any behaviour issues, any meetings, admin, all of that kind of stuff. And then I update her again on the Friday. Um, and, of course, there are still messages here and there if there's something urgent that comes up if the principal needs us to let him know about something or if a concert's coming up and you've got to quickly do those sorts of things. So, of course, there is always a, an element of being switched on and alert to any incoming messages. But, yeah, communication is absolutely crucial for making it work. So, Fiona, the elusive work-life balance mm. thing, how yeah. do you manage to do it when you're at work and your son's at home? I think I'm only just starting to wrap my head around it. I don't think we can ever perfect it. I think it's something that will always elude us somewhat. I think the key when I'm at work is I try to really focus on work because if I start to think about what's happening at home or what 
Jacob's doing at home, that's where I sort of start to feel a bit anxious and I feel like I'm, I'm missing out on the time with him. So I try my best to just let him do his thing wherever he is or whoever's looking after him and trust that he's having a great time. They're going to tell me all about it when I go see him, that kind of thing, and just try as much as I can to focus on work. And then when I'm at home, I was doing a lot of stuff last year on top of teaching and looking after Jacob, which I think added pressure to myself. But this year, I'm really trying to focus on when I'm at school, I'm working, I'm focusing on that. But when I'm at home, I'm focusing on Jacob as much as I can, um, unless obviously emergency things come up. But spending time with him, taking him out, doing things like that, and really trying to prioritise that when I'm there, rather than thinking, oh, like, what are the kids doing at school today? Or I've got to mark that assessment when I go to sort of trying to prioritise and manage my time to make the most of both situations. So talk us through the practicalities of how you're juggling it all with, with your work and motherhood. Sure. So when I started back at work, I was really thankful that my son was babysat by family members. So both on a Thursday and a Friday, um, we would have family members come to our house and babysit him at home. For free. For free. It was fantastic. And it was great, obviously, for me, with, with my anxiety about going back to work, I could message my dad on Friday and say, how's Jacob going? Send me a quick photo. Those sorts of things would help me just to relax and feel more prepared to go through the day. This year, our arrangements are changing slightly because our family members weren't able to continue on with that. My husband's cutting down to four days of work this year. So he's taking Thursdays off to spend time with Jacob, which I think is fantastic for them because he's really looking forward to the time with our son at home. And having him home, I can leave a bit earlier to get to work and prepare before school and leave a little bit later in the afternoon. I think that'll be really yeah beneficial um, because I can do more work at school, get more organisation stuff done, and hopefully that'll again help with the work-life balance. And then Friday, my son's just started daycare, which I was a bit anxious about, but he's been really great. He's really enjoying it, uh, very social and very loud and talkative and things like that. And you're yeah. about to do it all again, aren't yes. you, with another baby on the way? Yes, that's So right. will that baby just slot into the system you've now oh. fine-tuned so I, perfectly? I don't think babies slot. I think we fit in with the babies. I don't think the babies fit in with us, but we never know. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that all unfolds. And again, I guess going back to the maternity leave and job sharing routine again after that as well which again will just be uh, negotiating with my, my boss and um, working through that and what will fit best for our family. So It sounds like your husband's really supportive too. Yeah, he's been fantastic, especially um, going through all the anxiety and things like that. Um, he's been really understanding of what I'm going through and the transition of going back to work. And I think he's really understanding because in a way, it's something that he's striving for as well. So when he's cutting down to four days, it's something that not a lot of people understand um, for a dad to cut down to spend time with their child. But it's something that he's really passionate about and it's something that he's really invested in doing. So I think him coming from a similar mindset and um, mind frame for that, I think has really helped him to support me in adjusting going back to work and things like cooking meals when I'm exhausted from coming back from work. And we usually have a system of who wakes up in the middle of the night. If Jacob, Jacob's normally a great sleeper, but if he wakes up in the middle of the night, who's going to wake up in the middle of the night? And so when I've gone back to work, we've both done 
a night each when we're both working. So those sorts of things, like I think they sound minute, but they really make a big difference. Oh, no, that's major. Oh, there's, that, <laughs> there's that anecdote that goes around that we all know too well where the, where the husband just hears nothing mm. in the middle of the night. What? Oh, I, no, I didn't hear anything. No. <laughs> it's he's, amazing. He's pretty good. He, t- he insists that I, I wake him up if it's his turn, so... I sort of try to remember to do that. <laughs> well, you've got a good one there, Fiona. I'll keep him. <laughs> Isn't it extraordinary how when we become mothers, mm-hmm. we instantly seem to slot into those gender roles, mm. which it's so many mothers talk about yes. that, of the woman being the nurturer and the husband going out to do the hunting yes. and going to work. And yes. when that doesn't happen, so in your case, with your husband taking more time to be at home, people seem surprised by that. Yes. It's it's a very interesting conversation that he has had with many different people and you know people you would expect to be supportive who are like oh well men men work five days a week they bring the money home you know so that the wife can work less and and we're sort of looking at each other saying oh no like have they not heard the f word (laughs) apparently not i don't know but it's just great that he wants to spend time with our son and even you know there's been questions now that we're having another one it's like oh well is he going to go back to the five days after we have the the next one and he's like well no because the whole point was to spend more time with my family so I'll spend more time with my family which I think yeah hopefully we can see more of in the future for all families. Yeah you're you're a role model in that department by the sounds of things. (laughs) Fiona if you could look back to the woman you were before you had children Mm. your pre-baby self is there any advice you'd want to give to that woman? Oh where do you start? <laughs> um, do you even know her anymore? No. So much has changed. I think not even, it sounds bad, not even just as a mother and motherly instincts, but I think as an individual myself, I've grown a lot. Um, I think I've become a bit more assertive and a bit more confident in myself in some ways. I'm an organized person. I'm a perfectionist. And I think those things don't always fit into motherhood because things don't always go the way that you plan and you can't always get everything to be perfect. So I think I would try to tell my previous self to try and let go of some of those tendencies just to relax. And I think that's some of the things that might have contributed to my anxiety is things aren't fitting into the box that I envisaged. And you have to surrender, don't you? Yeah, you really do. And in the end, it's all about, you know, this precious little child that is yours and you love them so much. And it's just, my, my son's been sick the last couple of days and you just feel for them. And it's just, it's amazing how much a little person can just change your whole world. Um, so I think I would just sort of say to former Fiona, just to let go, but you're just going to be in for the best thing in the whole world. And how would you describe motherhood these days with... Your young son and another one on the way. How are you feeling about it? Well, it's definitely a roller coaster. There's definitely lots of ups and downs. Obviously, you have all the ups of the cuddles and the kisses and them saying, Mummy, I love you and all those things. But then you've also got to manage uh, when they don't sleep very well or when they're sick or when they don't eat the meals that you cook for them. Um, All of those things can be challenging, but it's just the most rewarding thing on earth, really. Fiona, you're obviously a fantastic teacher and a real advocate for the whole idea of job sharing, if it is at all possible. So we do thank you for your time on The Mother Shift. That was primary school teacher Fiona Morrison.
Joining us in the studio is Kirsty Levin, our resident careers counsellor and psychologist. Kirsty, listening to Fiona's experience, she didn't have much trouble negotiating maternity leave and she sounded like she had it all set. It was all going to go beautifully. What she didn't anticipate was how hard it was to leave her baby. That caught her by surprise, didn't it? How common is that situation? It's very common. And it's really a case of you don't know what you don't know until the situation is upon you. So in those scenarios, having the conversation with your manager before you go on parental leave, so during your pregnancy and discussing those various possibilities is is a more realistic way of approaching it rather than assuming that, yes, I will go back to four days a week or sure, I'll go back to full time straight away, no problem. It's, it's great to have an open-minded conversation with your manager where you actually anticipate the possibility that you may not want to go back for the days that you think you will. Yeah, it's very hard to imagine how you're going to feel, isn't it, before you actually leave. And she talked about very candidly and very bravely about suffering postnatal anxiety the anxiety of leaving her baby and and worried what was going to happen when she wasn't there. How common is that? It is so common for new mums, particularly for mums that have that real shock um, in that adjustment period where they're not used to having such a drastic change in their lifestyle, in their environment, in their day-to-day routine. Um, And all of those new skills that they have to learn at light speed are really, really scary sometimes. So anxiety is a really common byproduct of having to learn a new skill, a new role, having a huge identity shift, and it's all happening at light speed. Well, let's face it, we're all a little bit anxious, aren't we, with this new role of motherhood. So how do you recognise the symptoms when you know that it has kicked into something more severe? So there are a couple of different things that you can look out for. I think in terms of what you're feeling, it's important to look out for things like feeling agitated, irritated, tense, feeling panicky, for example, and out of focus or slightly detached. In terms of your thought process, you may be thinking, I can't do this or lacking motivation, feeling afraid or scared to leave the house or to undertake certain activities, feeling something somewhat confused because you're a little bit out of focus. Uh, And in terms of areas where your life might be disturbed a little bit, so sleep can be disturbed slightly, you might feel your heart beating faster than usual. You might feel like eating a little bit less, for example. Uh, You might feel like your breathing changes day to day or that you feel slightly dizzy. So they are some of the signs and symptoms of anxiety. And what support services are available? Because we hear a lot about postnatal depression, but not so much about anxiety. What should women do if they're feeling that? So I think the first port of call is your GP. And hopefully new mums or new parents out there have a very trusted GP that they feel as though they can open up to. I think that's the first um, specialist or the first point of contact that I think people need to develop a good relationship with. And hopefully from their GP, they can get referrals out to the appropriate services. So the existing support services out there are PANDA, for example, the Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Australia, um, COPE, the Centre for Perinatal Excellence, the Gidget House in Sydney provides fantastic support services. But then also, in addition to that, seeking out the support of a private counsellor or psychologist can help immensely. And then there are some additional therapies that 
individuals can undertake in their own time. So it might be learning how to meditate. It might be learning some mindfulness techniques. It might be just speaking openly to your closest friends and family members to vent and hash out some of your concerns and issues. And they might be some of the various ways that you seek help. We heard Fiona talk about how she was able to negotiate a job share situation with one of the other teachers at the school. That's not always easy to do, depending on the industry you work in. What advice do you have for parents when they're approaching that topic of potential job sharing with their employer? In any job share partnership, it's really important to bring to the table someone who has a set of complementary skills and the same level level of dedication to the position. And hopefully those people in the organisation already exist that you can potentially partner with. But if it's the case that you're seeking out a job share and your employer has to therefore employ someone else to work part-time with you, that's where the negotiation process can become a little bit more challenging. So if you feel as though the person that you could potentially work with in a job share function already works in the organisation, then there's an opportunity there to present yourself as a package deal and to have a really good discussion with that colleague beforehand to figure out how your skills complement each other, to figure out how you might manage those days together and that handover and communication process in that job share arrangement. And you pitch that to your manager to say, we're ready made, we're ready to go, we figured out our processes and the way we're going to work together to make sure that it's a seamless delivery, I guess, of of the role. So you've got more chance of getting the arrangement if you go to them with it already packaged up rather than making your boss do the work. Yes, that's right. Fiona talked about the challenge of once you're in a job share arrangement, you've got to really communicate with the other person you're sharing with. How important is that? It is really important. You basically have to nut out every single aspect of the role and you have to develop really solid systems and processes to ensure quality of output and consistency of communication. So you need to sort of partition the tasks and the projects as much as possible, develop some clear guidelines for how you're going to approach each one decide how you're going to support each other when things don't go according to plan. If something changes unexpectedly, for example, you need to be quite flexible to change and you definitely need to get management support. They need to be on board as much as possible. Fiona also has a very supportive husband by the sounds of it. He's taking one day off a week to care for their son and and working the other four. Obviously, this is meeting a practical need, but what are the other benefits of having that sort of arrangement? Look, I think the juggling act is never ending. And if you've got a partner on board that is willing to also be more flexible with their role, it alleviates a lot of stress and a lot of pressure in that working partnership because it means that you don't always have to take on all the mental load of thinking about parenting day to day, that you know you've got someone to back you up and to think about the needs of your child um, when, you know, when it arises. Do you think that's a difficult conversation for many women to have with their partners? Yes. I'm not exactly sure why partners are not confident enough to raise that with their their husbands and wives in the early days. I think people tend to leave it to fate to see how things pan out between them when I really think they need to approach it almost as a professional conversation. They're a team. They're a partnership. They're meant to work effectively together. So why not have those conversations about how you're going to divide up the labour and the logistics before you embark on the role together? I find it really baffling sometimes that people just assume or expect, and then obviously that breeds resentment and, you know, an undercurrent of discontent, essentially, when you don't 
raise things and make them really obvious and explicit together. Parenthood is the greatest adjustment you're ever going to make, really, isn't it? Yes, it really is. There are a lot of shifts in your expectations. And when it comes to starting work again, if it's in a part-time or a full-time capacity, you really have to let go of a lot of the expectations and pressure you put on yourself to be perfect and to be present for everyone all the time. So I think it's really common that mothers feel like they're a little bit torn or that they can't fully invest themselves into um, all of the scenarios around them. So, for example, they feel that they can't quite invest in all of their social relationships anymore because they don't have enough time because they're working and vice versa because they're working but then have to go home at the end of the day they can't invest in their working relationships as deeply as they would like and it's so common to feel this way and it's just the reality of juggling parenthood with paid employment and I think it is a matter of really just letting go of that pressure and letting go of that expectation of yourself that you're going to be everything to everyone all the time. Motherhood is one great surrender isn't it? Yes, it really is. Kirsty, some really helpful advice there. Thank you. You're welcome. That was Kirsty Levin, careers counsellor and psychologist from the Parents' Village. If you're a working mum and you have a question about your work-life balance and how to keep on top of everything you're doing, send us an email, podcast at babyology.com.au. Subscribe to The Mother Shift wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like it, we'd love it if you could leave us a rating and review. That's it for today's episode. I'm Jacinta Tynan. Join us next time for more of The Mother Shift, a babyology podcast.